0: Proverbs chapter 4, verse 25 says this, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. God's word translation, let your eyes look straight ahead and your sight, come on somebody, and your sight, put that up there Tegan, and your sight be focused in front of you, focused in front of you. Here we go. We're in this series called Focus. We kicked off our series Focus first talking about the fact that there are those obstacles in our path that we have to deal with. We can't be focused with all of these distractions around us. And so though the enemy and life and friends and natural enemies may throw things at us, We have to deal with those distractions, those things that so easily beset us. We had to learn to leave the baggage behind. Come on. And then last week we talked about how in order to focus, first you have to see clearly. Come on. It's hard to know where you're going if you can't see where you're going. And so Paul said in Corinthians, listen, if the trumpet doesn't make a clear sound, Who's going to go into battle? We need to be able to see clearly. Now, some of us have been going through life trying to make ends meet. Come on, been there. Some of us are satisfied with the status quo. It's just life. and That's the way it is. But I'll bet that in your heart, somewhere deep down in there, you know that there's more. There's more than just the status quo. Come on. Because I don't know about you, but if this is all that there is, then why do I try so hard to make ends meet? Why not just take life as it comes? Why not just say, well, that's the way the ball bounces. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Come on. Why get back up when I get knocked down? I mean, if this is all there is to life, I just lay down for a while. I mean, why get up so fast? Come on. It's because you and I both know that there is more. There's more to life. It's deeper. Come on. It's wider. It's longer. It's higher. There's more to life. As you go through life, sooner or later, you'll find out that it's much more than just a stroll in the park. Come on. Life is to be enjoyed for sure. The enemy comes to, but I come, Jesus said, that you might have and have it more abundantly. But as you go through life, you do discover that there are many platitudes that ring true. For example, anything worth having is worth fighting for, Thomas Jefferson said. Linda Poindexter said, life is full of give and take. How many know that that's true? Come on. Charles Swindoll once said this, and I love it. It really changed my attitude and my view on life. He said, life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. Come on. I also love this quote by Jose Ortega. He said, we cannot put off living until we're ready. It's time to live now. Come on. You can't put it off Well, I'll start living a little later. no. You're here, and life is moving. Life comes at you fast. Come on. And Voltaire said, God gave us the gift of life. It is up to us to give ourselves the gift of living well. It's up to us to give ourselves that gift. We see that you get out of life what you put into it, like so many other things. God has given us instructions. He's given us parables. He's given us examples. And now it's up to us. How many know that God doesn't do everything for you? The Bible does say that you were saved by grace. But first, by faith, you were saved. By grace, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. We must have the faith of God. God instituted the law of sowing and reaping right from the beginning. And so we must understand that life is not a noun. It is a verb. And life is to be lived. Come on. We don't sit back and let life happen to us. You know, I loved science in school and I was really intrigued by Newton's three laws of motion. His first law says that an object will remain at rest or stay in motion unless acted upon by an, watch this now, unbalanced outside force. So either you're going to stay there floating or you're going to keep going the same direction that you're going unless you're acted upon by an outside force. And I believe that force is faith. Come on. You do nothing. Usually nothing will happen. (laughs) Paul used race as a metaphor for living life. I'm not talking about race as in white and black. I'm talking about running a race. Come on. And so I want to talk to you for a few moments this morning about running the race. Running the race. So we're talking about focus. Here's our definition of focus as we've gone over it. Adapt to the prevailing level of light. What is that light, anybody? What's the light? Come on, don't be scared. Jesus is the light. They made songs about it and everything. And become able to see clearly. And I love these words, steer, target, train, aim. You notice that these words are not... Uh, just nouns. These are action words. I I mean, they're verbs. Come on. Verb. That's what's happening. Only a few get that. But attempt, cast, concentrate, contemplate, direct. Come on. These are action words. We need to get rid of these distractions. And I want to let you know this morning that The battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. We know that. The ultimate battle. It's not ours to fight the devil. But there is one fight that we'll have to fight in life. And it really is right here. It's with us. It's with us. And faith, our faith, can be a fight. Our faith. Not fighting with someone else. That battle is the Lord's. But you must fight with yourself. The kingdom... It's taken by what? Force. But Jesus said the kingdom is in you. Don't look somewhere else to try to fight for. The, the kingdom is in here. And if you're going to take it, you've got to take it by force. That means you've got to fight this flesh. Come on. Faith can be a fight. Paul knew that. That's why in his valedictory to Timothy here in 2 Timothy, he spoke of a race that must be run. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Beginning at verse 1 says this, you can turn there, but we'll put it up here for you. Paul said this to Timothy. He said, I charge you, another verb, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. He told Timothy, preach the word because that was Timothy's vocation. We talked a little earlier this morning about work as worship. What's your vocation? Come on. Maybe preaching isn't your vocation. But whatever it is, God is imploring you to do it this morning with an exclamation point. And do it as unto the Lord. He told Timothy, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and Fulfill your ministry. What's your ministry this morning? For I am already being poured out as a drink offering and in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now we can extract several things from this passage of scripture, this imploring that Paul gave unto Timothy. What's he telling him? There are several things that you can get out of this. One of the things that I got from Paul telling Timothy is, wake up, let's do it, get up, it's time, preach the word encourage, teach, long-suffering, come on, Paul's encouraging him, he's telling him it's not going to be easy, but you got to get up and go through it, come on, sometimes the only way to get to the end is to go through, the only way out is through, come on, and Paul gave us the grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to go through. There are often times, God doesn't take the storm away, but he gives us the strength to go right through it. And I tell you what, at the end of the day, looking back on some times in my life, I'm glad that I had strength to go through. And I didn't wimp out, come on, and try to wait for the storm to pass. But I got up and went through. Storm's not going to stop me from reaching my goal. The storm is not going to stop me from getting to my purpose. Come on, somebody. The storm is not going to stop me from realizing the vision that God has put before me. Paul said, I fought the good fight. I ran the race and I kept the faith. So what is he saying? First thing I get here is circumstances don't equal excuses. That's right. Circumstances don't give us excuses. We've got to understand that bad circumstances present opportunities for us. Come on. Bad circumstances present the best opportunities. I mean, when something goes wrong, hey, we got to look at it. Hey, this is my opportunity to overcome. I'll never be called an overcomer until I have something to overcome, come on somebody experience gives you knowledge but not necessarily revelation God will give you the revelation that it takes to get through whatever it is the enemy has put before you and also bad circumstances necessitate overcoming they necessitate overcoming if you have bad circumstances you can't do anything but overcome that's all you can do Come on. Great opportunities, and they necessitate you overcoming. Come on. It is when we face our toughest tests that we press and seek God. You ever notice that? A lot of times when things are going well and everything's going smooth. Come on. We just pray a little bit in the morning, make our little checklist. I prayed a little bit. I read a little bit, uh, two Psalms and a couple of verses, and everything's going great. You know, praise the Lord. How you doing, brother? Blessed and highly favored. Things are going well. We don't press into God, but let something bad happen in our life, a bad report, a little less money than we expected, come on, somebody offends us, now we start pressing in, it shouldn't be that way, shouldn't be that way, but when bad circumstances happen, it's just an opportunity for us to speak our faith, the faith of God, the faith that he already gave you. It's our opportunity for us to speak our faith. Bad circumstances sometimes test our faith, and therefore, they're often necessary. I'm not talking about suffering like Jesus suffered on the cross. Listen, I'm talking about people are going to talk about you. Come on. Everything's not going to go smoothly. People don't just lay. You just don't walk in the room and the red carpet's laid out. Come on. And you just float through. Sometimes you got to use your elbow and bust the door open. I'm coming in. And I'm going through, and I'm getting to the end. Come on. Red carpet's not laid out. Second thing I learned from this is leave nothing out. What does that mean? Leave nothing out. Paul told Timothy in verse 2, he said, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. In other words, everything that you have in the arsenal, let it out. Come on, everything that you got, let it out. With long suffering, come on. Sometimes you got to preach. Sometimes you got to teach. Sometimes you got to correct. Sometimes you have to exhort. Sometimes you have to give grace. Sometimes you got to step aside and pray. But you got to give everything that you have in you, let it out. Come on. Don't just die old. Live life full and die empty. Come on. Miles Monroe once said, die empty. What are you going to take with you? There's nothing in this life that's going to do us any good in the next. So don't hold it back. Every I love you, let it out. Oh, I'm talking to myself. I know, honey. Every I love you, let it out. Why leave it? What are you going to do? Take it? Come on. Let it out. Every act of kindness, let it out every time you can speak faith do it it's an opportunity do it Paul said in verse 6 I have been poured out like a drink offering everything I have and I you know I love to use sports analogies and I know today I was talking with brother Jeff you know I'm really not a sports fan today I'm just more of a hater I know it I'll just admit it you know cuz I don't really want any of the teams to win but I do want one to lose come on now but uh, but I, but I, but I love sports analogies, and I love it when they say I left everything on the court, or I left everything on the field, or, you know, when you watch Serena Williams play tennis, I, I left everything out there. Win or lose, I left it all out there. Come on. Whoever it may be. Michael Phelps swimming. I, I gave it my all. I didn't give up right to the very end. I may not have won every race, but I, I left everything in the pool. Come on. Left everything out there. I want to talk about some hindrances there are some hindrances to us moving forward and running this race. There are some hindrances to us emptying ourselves out. One of those is being selfish. Come on. Sometimes we don't want to give up everything because we're just selfish. I just want to keep it to myself. Another one is this, self-conscious. That means you're paying Is everybody looking at me? I mean, if I say I love you, how will that go? And put my heart on my sleeve. I mean, will that person say it back, or will they just turn their head? I mean, what you know, what's what's going to happen? It, you know, is, am I going to be offended? We're self-conscious. Another one is being self-centered. Come on, you're just thinking about yourself. Thinking about yourself. You notice a lot of self in these hindrances. <laughs> a lot of self. Come on. Number four is being self-controlling. Now, what does that mean? That means the need to be in control. I'm the one that has to be in control. Come on. Devin. Easy now. I'm the one that needs to be in control. I'm self-controlling. So if I'm not controlling it, come on. And then a fear of dependence. Think about that for a moment. There's a lot of us that have a fear of being dependent. I mean, if I say that, if I put my heart on my sleeve, if I open up, if I'm vulnerable, now all of a sudden I'm dependent. And I just don't want to depend on anybody but me. But the problem is you can't do it. Come on, you can't do it by yourself. So you're dependent on the wrong person. Next thing is Paul told Timothy, pay attention. This is a big one. Attention. He told him, be watchful. Be watchful. He said, be you watchful in all things. What is he telling Timothy here? He's telling him to keep both his eyes and his ears open. Remember, Peter said in his epistle, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you know? Who is the easiest prey for a predator? It's the one that's inactive, inattentive, preoccupied, neglectful. The one that's not paying attention. If you're not paying attention, you could very well be devoured. Come on. So he told him, pay attention. Come on now, we need to be focused. Pay attention. Told him, be aware. What are some hindrances to being aware and paying attention? Well i just say it, just downright laziness. Sometimes you can just be lazy. Just be lazy. Come on. What about inactivity? Now, I know we can't do something every moment of every day. But you can't sit on the couch for two weeks straight watching all your programs while the world goes by. Come on. Can't wait till you're ready to live life. Inactivity sometimes can hurt us. And activity, listen, when I talk about activity, it doesn't always have to be something physical doing something. It could be praying. We need to pray. Call someone. That's an activity. Have a relationship. Meet someone for coffee. These are the things I'm talking about. Not always doing something, getting in trouble. (laughs) But we know the saying. Come on, your grandmother told you. Your mom told you. Idle hands. Idle mind is a devil's workshop. Come on. That's not an old wife's tale. I believe that's true. Come on. Just letting your mind go anywhere, not paying attention. I mean, we need to dream. Come on. We need to dream. But it's bad to be lazy. Came across this story. Jane of a housewife. Jane had a system for labeling her homemade freezer meals. She would carefully note in large, clear letters, meatloaf or pot roast, steak and vegetables, or chicken and dumplings, or maybe beef pot pie. She would put all those in the freezer. And every day when she asked her husband what he wanted for dinner, he never asked for any of those meals. (laughs) She, She made all these meals, but he never asked for any of those. So she decided to stock the freezer with his various requests, what he did ask for what he really likes. And so in Jane's freezer now, you'll see a whole new set of labels. You'll find dinners with neat little tags that say, whatever, anything, I don't know, I don't care, something good, food. No more frustration for Jane, no matter what her husband replies when she asks him, it's there, (laughs) come on. Will Rogers said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. Come on, it's time to get up. (laughs) And then Paul told Timothy this. He said, don't quit. Don't quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. I want to tell you this. Don't run from trouble. Overcome it don't quit keep going keep going don't quit paul then said in verse 5 endure afflictions endure them come on james said there are some times when we have to endure temptation there's times when we can't go around we can't avoid it the temptation is going to be there i mean i remember uh last week i had to have a procedure And so for this procedure, in order to prepare, I had to fast for a day and a half. I couldn't eat anything, only drink water for a day and a half. And so, uh, you know, I said, okay, no problem. So I kept myself busy. I was here at the church, you know, writing different things and reading and and doing all the things that I needed to do and kept myself busy. In the evening, I was busy. And uh, the mistake I made was when I went home and turned on the television to check the scores. Because don't you know, every Burger King commercial, And I don't even eat at Burger King, but just, you know, the Whopper was looking good then, you know, every French fry commercial was on TV. I, I made it. I made it. But my point is, there's times when you just can't avoid temptation. The temptation's going to be there. You know, sometimes you just have to endure it. Don't quit. Don't run from trouble. There's no doubt that afflictions will come. In John 16, Jesus said, In this world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. And guess what? Since he's in you, you have overcome the world. Since we know that there are tribulations, we must also know that the only way to get past it is through it. And the only way through it is to endure. We must endure. Come on. He's get, and we, we don't have to go by our own strength. God has given us the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is power. Power from on high. If you need a reminder, read Acts chapter 2. It's power. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Come on. The same power that when God spoke a word, split the Red Sea in half. Come on, somebody. It's that same power that when God spoke a word, time stood still. It's power. And you have the power to go through it. There are some hindrances to us from enduring. Come on. The first one is just being out of shape. Sometimes we can't endure just because we're out of shape. Come on. I mean, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to me. Sometimes we're out of spiritual shape. You ever felt that way? You haven't read your Bible in a little while. You haven't praised, been a little while since you prayed or even talked about the Lord. Sometimes just talking with a brother. Sometimes I love talking with Brother James. We just talk about the Lord. I just feel encouraged because you just talk about the Lord. Jody and I sometimes just talk about the Lord and you feel encouraged. Come on. But you ever felt when you maybe isolated yourself and you haven't read and you haven't prayed, you just feel dry and stale Guess what? You're out of shape. You need to get back in shape. Come on. You need to read. Do some burpees. I'm not going to do that. But you need to get in shape. Second one is lack of preparation. We don't prepare. We don't. We know that our enemy walks around like a roaring lion, but we're not prepared. We wait till something happens and then we're going to seek the Lord. Oh, God. You knew this thing from the beginning. And he said, yeah, I was trying to tell it to you too from the beginning, but you wouldn't talk to me. Open up your ears and I'll tell you ahead of time as well. Be prepared. And this one, I know this was not for everybody, nobody in here. But just in case you're talking to somebody, cowardice. Come on. Some people are just a coward. They don't want to go through it. They don't want to face it. So I'll leave that one alone. But we know that faith, faith can be a fight. Faith can be a fight. Paul said in verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Do you know there's, there's, there's this Greek word here for fought, it, it actually means to engage in conflict. It means to struggle. This Greek word here for fought means to struggle, to engage. We, sometimes there's, we got to engage in the conflict. You got to get in the fight. The struggle is real, come on. We got to jump in and go. Don't sit on the side. You're part of the solution. We need you. Get in there. The church needs you. The body of Christ needs you. Jump in. Let's go. And it's not just for you. Let's join arms together. Life can be a fight. This word was used in context of competing in athletic games or even engaging in military conflict. Considering that Paul was chained to a Roman soldier when he wrote this letter, it would have been easy for him to make such an analogy. Come on. In fact, he had known many Roman soldiers and during his imprisonment won them to Christ. He had won many Roman soldiers to Christ. So no matter where you are, you might feel like your job are your chains. Come on. I hope you don't feel like your spouse is your chains. We move on from that. But you might feel like your job is your change. But guess what? When Paul was in chains, he was getting people saved. When the opportunity presented itself, he was getting them saved. Fight with faith, not with fear. Come on. One of the reasons I believe that we lose battles so often is because we base our faith on feelings. I feel, I just don't feel it today. I feel down today. So I'm just, I'm not going to speak faith today. I'm not going to act today. We can't wait to until we feel like it to have faith because we'll be waiting forever sometimes. Come on. Faith is not a reaction to our circumstances, but that's how we use it. Faith shouldn't be a reaction to our circumstances. Watch this now. Faith is creative obedience. I'm going to say that again. Faith is creative obedience. When you obey God, it creates because God's a creator. That's why he can always say, all things are new. I'm doing a new thing. God can say that every day if he wanted to, because God's a creator. God creates. He doesn't need to do the same thing over and over and over again. Come on. It's spiritual evidence, faith, that is released by praying, saying, and doing. Praying, saying, and doing. It's creative obedience. And I just want to encourage you to not get lazy. Come on. And not get discouraged because you don't see it yet. Believe that you receive, the Bible says, and you shall have it. But between praying and manifestation, the devil is going to lie to you. Your circumstances will try to discourage you. Uh, God might be quiet. Come on. You might not hear. So you want to go and pray the same prayer again. You already prayed the prayer. God's promise is good. If he says it once, it's good. If he said, I love you one time, he loves you forever. You can count on that. Your focus needs your faith. And lastly, your focus pays off. Come on. I mean, your focus pays off. The reward is waiting for you. Both in the time to come and now. Come on, watch now. Verse 8, he said, Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me, to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to those who love his appearing. So yes, the end will come, and there is a crown that is waiting for you. But Jesus also said in Mark chapter 10, he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you that there is no one. Now this is a promise from the Lord Jesus. Come on. He said, there is no one that has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels. In other words, let me just stop for a moment. What he's saying is, is there's no one that has not made those things second in your life and made me the priority over all of that. There's no one who has done that who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. I'm not making stuff up. I'm telling you what the Bible says. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Now he says with persecutions. Because the enemy don't want you to have it. He don't want you to have joy. Come on, he don't want you to have great relationships with your family. He don't want you to have material possessions so you can give God the glory for it. Come on. So he says with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first shall be last, and last shall be first. That's what he said. And so the focus here is on in this time. Listen, I want to tell you, now is the time. Our obedience and focus benefits us in this time. And not just in the material things, though he'll bless us with those. But what happens? Our faith grows. We become more mature as you go through. Come on. Patience is developed. Your patience is developed. How many know we need patience? And your perspective changes. Your perspective changes. See, I believe, and I'm just about done, I believe that so often we we hear faith messages and good faith messages great grace messages and we, we hear how God has made us the head and not the tail and above and never again beneath and he, we're blessed when we come and we're blessed when we go in the city and in the field and we believe all of those things but what happens is our perspective always goes to the end. What am I going to get at the end? And God is saying, look, I want to bless you right now while you're in it. Come on. Because we limit God When we believe him for one thing and don't enjoy our relationship with him while we're on the road. Come on. I don't know if you're hearing that this morning. But God is saying life is to be lived right now. And God just doesn't have one blessing for you. I don't know who you think God is. But God created all things. I believe that the Bible says all things were created by him, for him, and through him. And without him... Nothing that was made is made. Watch now. That includes your enemy. You hear that? Nothing that was made was made without him. That includes your enemy. It includes your circumstances. It includes everything. It all comes from him. I want to leave you with that. (laughs) It all comes from him. So there's no evil that he's not already overcome. It's this big to him. Come on. He made Lucifer. He created him. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I'm going to make myself. Keep on going. With what, we was, what were we saying? Let's keep going. There's nothing to him. Come on. Then why do we make things so big for us? Why do we make them so big? Focus is as much about running the race as it is about receiving the reward. Don't stop running because you'll never get to the end. Don't stop running. We cannot forget that it is in running the race that we receive our greatest benefits. Let us focus on running the race. Amen.